tour guides Anastasia Gaitanu from Thessaloniki and Australian David Willett are experts on ancient Greece and the Mediterranean world. They're telling us about the island of Crete right now on Travel with Rick Steves. Welcome. Thank you. to be here. David, how are Cretans, the people who live on Crete, different from Greeks in their outlook? I don't think there's a prouder person to be found in Greece than a Cretan. Cretans are extremely proud of their long history, their island, and their wonderful food. The people from Crete really see themselves as being a little bit different to the people from the Greek mainland. Anastasia, when you think of the pride of the Crete people and and the traditions, how does that survive in their dress and the way they'll look when we travel there? In the dress, you can find that still worn by older people in the largest cities, but you find it definitely in out in the country and in smaller villages. And the further up you go on the mountains, the more you find that. And you have this very particular scarf that they wear on their head. It's black, of course. Mm-hmm. And usually it, there is also a big mustache underneath, definitely, because that's um, a masculine thing. And then they have a black shirt. And they have brown trousers that are very distinct and to Crete and usually black boots. And I was struck when I went to Crete that these kind of traditions survive more there than elsewhere in Europe. I mean, everything is becoming modern and, and the same as you travel around more and more. But in Crete, you do find those traditions alive. Uh, David? Well, I, I was in, in Crete just last June, and having not been there for a while, I was wondering whether I'd see some of these things like the old bridges and the long boots and the the kerchiefs, but to my great surprise, they have not disappeared. In fact, they've now become trendy and symbols for the young. Symbols for the young? Yes. Now, why would that be? Is that sort of an expression of independence or or just not wanting to become part of the globalized European society? I think it's because they see themselves different and they want to let people know that they're proud of their traditions. There's a lot of guns on Crete, aren't there? They used to be synonymous with uh, Crete guns, but you see less so these days, although when you go walking you see plenty of cartridges from the hunting season. Is that right? What would they be hunting? What are they hunting? Anything that moves. Birds, rabbits, hares. If you're in Athens, how easy is it to get down to Crete? It couldn't be more simple because there's uh, boats that do the trip overnight and there's lots of flights with uh, Aegean Air to three main airports, to Citia, to Heraklion, and to Chania. So let's say you got five days for Crete. What would you do, David, uh, if you're helping me plan my itinerary? Five days on Crete. Five days is you could easily spend five weeks on Crete without covering the whole place. So mm. if I was going to have five days, I would stick to the north and I would stick to Iraklio, which is the capital and mm-hmm. access point for the famous Minoan palace of Knossos. Mm-hmm. And then I would go across to Khania, which is the second city on Crete. And it's just a beautiful uh, old Venetian city. From Hania, can't you go up to the top of the mountain and hike down the Gorge of Samoria? Have you ever hiked that? Yes, I have. What's it like? Well, it has some beautiful spots, although I think there are some other that are even more beautiful than this one. But this is the longest one and is the most difficult one because um, you have a very long descent in the beginning. Uh, 10 kilometers, about 4 kilometers to go down. You just go down a winding path. So switchbacking, back and down, down, down. And then you move through the gorge. But there are really beautiful spots at that gorge, and you meet people. There are people there. There is one spot called the gate, and there is this old shepherd there who knows, of course, every guide and every person who goes often through that gorge. And usually he has some cheese, and if you know him well, he can bring some other stuff out as well. 
And you see also a lot of the very unique flora and fauna of Crete. And there is, uh, if you're lucky, and usually you are, you see wild ibex that they have there. And it's only on Crete. And it has a very funny name, actually. It's called Krikri. 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 And ibex. Yeah. David, if I remember correctly, the tourists generally catch a minibus or something up for the, almost like at sunrise. And then they walk switchbacking down. Then they have a long hike along the river with little places to swim along the way. They reach a very, very narrow part in the gorge where you can almost stretch your arms out and touch either of the, the sheer cliffs. And then at the bottom, you have a beautiful remote beach and a boat waiting to take you to the next town from where you catch the shuttle bus back to your home base. Is that still basically the routine? That is still basically the routine, although they have come up with an alternative for the lazy person who does not want to do the whole walk. You can take a boat to, I think it's Akia Romeli, mm-hmm. the base of the gorge, and you can do what they say, the gorge short way, when you simply walk up to the iron gates and walk back again and don't do all the other very strenuous stuff. Okay, so there is for the quick tourist and for the person who wants to spend a little more exercise. David, you mentioned uh, the Palace of Knossos. Anastasia, tell us about the, the civilization that left us with this amazing palace. Well, there was a prehistoric civilization on Crete and some of the Cycladic islands, but most of the things we have preserved are on Crete. And they're called the Minoans or Minoans. The name derives from the mythological first king of them, who was Minos or Minos. And uh, they have left some amazing remains of palaces in Crete. We have three big palaces, Malia, Knossos, Festus, oh, four, and Zacros. And there are also some ruins of villas. The most known one, the most famous one, because it was excavated by the English archaeologist of the time, Arthur Evans, and it was reconstructed to Mm. an extent, is the Palace of Knossos, which is outside of Heraklion, about half an hour's drive. So you go to Heraklion, and you can then, probably the number one site that visitors are looking for is this Palace of Gnosis. It is. Sort of rebuilt in a little bit uh, over-ambitious style by this uh, archaeologist. Oh, because he, he couldn't really know right. how so it he was. Had a, he had a romantic so there is a image. big dispute about that. But when we think of the Minoans, uh, my image is, okay, you have the 3000 BC civilization in Egypt, and then the next real civilization to emerge was on Crete, the Minoans, and that was a thousand years before the golden age of Greece that we always think yes. of with Socrates and Plato. Most probably those Minoans were not Greeks most Hmm. probably. They did have uh, an alphabet. The structure of it is very close to what the Egyptians had, but it's a completely different thing. And it has not been deciphered yet, so we don't really know what language they spoke. And we do know that they had lots of relationships with uh, some of the Cycladic islands, like Sandorini, for example, which is very close to Crete, to the north of Crete. And we do have remains of frescoes, Mm -hmm. lots of them. Most of them dated between the 14th and the 18th century BC. So that's like nearly 4,000 years old. Yes, it is. And so we have an idea of how they looked like. But what happened to this civilization? I mean, how did they vanish? How did they vanish? That is a very good question. Till some years ago, it was believed that the reason was the eruption of the volcano of Sandorini because it was dated in the 15th century. But now through new evidence and information that we have, uh, radiocarbon dating, um, the, the glaciers in, in Greenland, etc., it is dated in the 17th century. So archaeologists believe that it destroyed most probably the first palaces because mm. we have three different palaces then on top of the other. And most probably 
either they were fighting against each other or there was a new big danger because we have lots of uh, references of uh, people of the sea, etc., but nobody really knows. Nobody really knows. But 1400 BC, the Minoans are gone and the Mycenaeans would be the next civilization that takes the four as we move up towards Athens and the Golden Age of Greece. This is Travel with Rick Steves. I'm speaking with Anastasia Gaetanu and David Willard about the pretty impressive island of Crete. And David, when we think about tourism in Crete, I would imagine there's a lot of people that are going there not for ancient palaces or, or a hike down the Gorge of Samaria, but just for some fun in the sun. What's the tourism scene these days in Crete? What are the trends? I think the trend these days is, is dominated by, by beach tourism. And I think the busiest months for beach tourism, obviously, the, the, the warmest months, which are June, July, August, and September, and I have to say, I, I'm not a beach person, and I do not go to Crete for the beaches, and therefore I choose not to go during those months. For me, the real Crete is, is the countryside, out walking. It is a spectacular countryside. Who would be filling those, those beach resorts? Where, what countries are they coming from these days? Uh, a, a lot of them are, are, are British, mm-hmm. and they go there and they, they find reassuring signs that say things like, full English breakfast. <laughs> and and people who don't won't threaten them with any words that might be in Greek. But the new arrivals are the Russians. The Russians are there in large numbers because they come from a country that's colder than England. So, uh, so Russians to go to Crete, and would these be individual travelers or mostly n- package n- groups? No, they're, they're nearly all package groups, very few mm-hmm. individuals to see them as package groups. Two sort of uh, parallel zones, I guess. People are going for cultural travel, and people are looking for a change in weather, but not necessarily a, a change in culture. Yes. And just have a romp on the beach. Let's finish our discussion of Crete with just a little bit about the Cretan cuisine. Anastasia, when you think of food in Crete, what do you think? Well, I definitely think first of a beverage, Raki. Raki. Because you're greeted with it everywhere, you're welcomed with it everywhere, and it's a, it's a big offense. It's an insult not to drink it. And then you start eating. And the first thing that comes to mind are land snails. They're called kochli, and they're boiled. Usually I've had them in with many different ways, like boiled in water with raki, of course, and, or um, with rosemary and, and lemon olive oil, or uh, with uh, onions and tomato. I mean, they taste great. So land snails and rocky when I'm in Crete. David Willett, let's say you're stepping into a bar in Crete and you sit down next to the bar and there's a, a tall, proud Cretan with a big mustache and a pistol tucked in his belt and he's going to buy you a drink. What drink is it going to be, and what would you talk about? It's going to be it's going to be rocky. It's got to be rocky. There's no there's no other choice. And I'm I'm glad you mentioned uh, Anastasia. That's an obligation, because when I was working there for Learning Planet, it was an occupational hazard. No matter what time of day, you'd arrive at nine o'clock in the morning, and the first thing you'd be given was a glass of rocky. This is hard stuff. My my day would be over yes. by ten thirty sometimes because I could I couldn't face another another glass <laughs> of rocky, and what, and that's before lunchtime. What does it taste like? It's 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 strong. It's a relatively neutral drink. It's more it's just a slap on the face. A lot, face, a lot, a lot of people say, describe it really as, as kind of moonshine. It's strong. And then uh, there's a, sort of this aggressive hospitality where you're sitting next to this guy and buy another one, drink it. It's like <laughs> make my mustache curl. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> David Willett, Anastasia Gaetano, thanks so much for a little peek at Crete. Thank you. Thank you very much, Rick. Rick Steves teaches smart European travel. At ricksteves.com, you'll find an archive of interviews from his radio show, free audio tours of Europe's top sites, and a world of information to help turn your travel dreams into smooth and affordable reality. Begin your next trip at ricksteves.com.